Hello once again, Cougar football fans. We welcome you back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building on the BYU campus in Provo, Utah for our Week 10 edition now of the Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up today, we look back on one of the wildest games in BYU football history, Saturday night's 66-49 win over the Virginia Cavaliers and Bronco Mendenhall's return to Provo. The win moving 7-2 BYU up to 17th in the AP poll and 20th in the coaches poll. The first CFP rankings come out tomorrow. And with us today to review the UVA win and look ahead to what's ahead, we have special teams coordinator Ed Lamb and offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. First up, first half hour belongs to Coach Lamb. Good to see you, Ed. Thanks, Greg. Nice to see you. So, yeah, where does that one rank in the annal of the games you've coached in terms of just sheer lunacy? <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on the quarter. There were some, you know, obviously, I see the game first through a defensive lens, and, and um, to have such a horrid uh, second quarter surrounded by a very solid defensive effort, first quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, but uh, so horrid that the final, the final outcome was, you know, from a defensive perspective, unacceptable. Um, it's just a very strange game, a roller coaster of emotions. I'm still not, I'm still not 100% back. <laughs> well, now that you've been through the game, in, in retrospect or in hindsight, did a shootout kind of make perfect sense in well, some ways? You suggested it on the show last week, right? <laughs> and I don't know if you remember my answers. Like, well, I'm not fully comfortable just acknowledging that this will be a shootout. But, um, yeah, just, just credit our offense for the way that they played. Obviously, credit to Virginia's offense, a tremendous job as well. But, but you know, focusing on our team, hanging in there together, realizing that the, the outcome of the game is, is based on point differential, not, uh, not the over-under, so mm -hmm. to speak. Well, on the other side of the ball, um, BYU's offense, that is, what were you pretty confident you could do against Virginia's defense going in? Uh, we felt like aggression was the was the name of the game going in be, to be aggressive uh, and confident in our run game, and we always we always feel like that things begin and end with that, um, and and we felt like we needed to attack downfield, and I think you saw that from from the get -go. moment one, yeah, yeah. And, and and obviously A Rod will be able to to address that in more detail, but uh, we knew going in that we felt like we could we could get multiple personnel groups on the field and run and pass. Well, facing an offense as potent as Virginia's, you'd love to have all hounds on deck, not the case. Uh, you enter the Virginia game down another key defensive player, Chaz Ayu. Um, whether you consider him a linebacker or a safety, it's a hit. And then your safety depth, depth is already down with, uh, without Hanneman and, and Udo to begin yeah. with. Yeah, that, that's, our, that's our top three. Strong. Over the course of the season, Chaz has, has played the most uh, snaps at strong safety, even though he's been a versatile guy for us. And then... And then George Udo and Ammon Hanneman, that's the strong safety depth chart. So without those three guys, we were really digging deep. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a real challenge to, to find, you know, anytime you start digging that deep on the depth chart, it also starts to affect the, number, the type of plays that we can call and the type of defenses that we run and the way we organize. And some other guys have had to change positions. And, and so some real challenges there. So secondary depth being what it was, how would you say guys responded overall? Well, I think, um, you know, I think that when, when we were able to um, balance up the, the defense that we were calling and when we were able to get a few more guys into the rotation, even though we didn't have a ton of confidence in some of the guys that came in, uh, we were able to play with, with more consistent energy. And that's the, the, the good moments of the game. And it sounds crazy when you give up uh, 49 points to say, you know, that there were three quarters of good defense. But, but the, statistics, uh, the, the statistics show it were very good defense for three quarters and just one of the most horrendous 
defensive uh, performances that have been around in the second quarter. Yeah, the majority of the yards came in one of four quarters, which is not normal. Um, the other side, no Gunnar Romney on offense for you going in. So another starter out there for you. It meant more snaps for Samson Nakua, and he clearly responded. He sure did, yeah. And, and the energy that uh, Samson brings has just been maybe an under-the-radar, underappreciated aspect of our team, what he brings to special teams, offense, defense, practice on a daily basis. Uh, he's just a, a joy to have around, and and uh, and really they all are. That's a family tradition. Going back to, in my experience, Kai. You know, I know there's, there's other brothers in the mix there, but they bring so much to a team, and uh, and he got us a real spark there early, and, and continues throughout the game. Yeah, as we talk about the start, first three possessions for BYU, three touchdowns, and from the start, foots on the gas, right? Deep shots, tempo, a very aggressive game plan. Absolutely, yeah, and we, uh, I haven't been a part of a game where we uh, scored that quickly, got stops that quickly. Part of the reason we wore out there a little bit in the second quarter, uh, our guys on defense were running down on kickoff, and, and because of something with the, the way the game was structured with ESPN, we had no media There were no TV timeouts for the first 10, 50 minutes of clock time. Yeah, yeah. our guys were going from, from defense to offense scored quickly, and then they're right back out on kickoff, and of course you stay on the field from kickoff to defense, and we, we needed to do such a better job at, as a coaching staff of managing that fatigue. We didn't do it until we got the little break of the, of the halftime and, and were able to make some of those fatigue adjustments. Yeah, I was kind of happy for the way the rhythm went. We took no breaks on radio, obviously, but I knew that it would come back and get us at some point. And sure enough, there were, and then there were a lot of breaks. It was like kickoff, timeout, kickoff, that kind of thing. Yeah, but that kind of tempo favors both offenses, and, and you saw the, the output. Both offenses stayed yeah. hot. Uh, UVA's first three possessions, punt. They throw an interception, punt, and then the early sudden change play was huge. When it when it when it uh, when you can't look back on it, sure was. Yeah, we we had some just some some training video clips there um, defensively in in the first quarter of how we wanted to play defense. You know, Kalani um, from the moment he took the job, he communicated, and we're going to aspire to be a man-to-man -man defensive team. And um, and and you know, it took some recruiting, some building. And it, it's a great way to build a football program because defensively we're telling our guys, we believe in you. We believe that our men are better than the opponent's men. And, and so we preached that all week. We felt like we could match up. We certainly did until the fatigue factor crept in and, and we needed to do a better job on defense of protecting our guys from that fatigue. Fastest tempo team you saw, I think, since the, the bowl game against UCF, which led the country, I think, in tempo. And similar to that game, in the bowl game, you got early stops and early scores. You had a 14-0 lead in the bowl game, 21-0 lead here. Different scenarios as the game turned out, but you took a fast team and put them on the back heel. We did, and, and we, met, uh, we met speed with speed and tempo with tempo. And, and that's a big mistake that some teams make is to try to go out and, and, and make your offensive coordinator try to keep the ball away from the opponent. The name of the game on offense is to score points. The name of the game on defense is to, is to not allow the opponent to score points. points. And... We don't want to get into whether or not we're playing the opponent's game. We're scoring and stopping scores. That's our objective. Normally, 21-0 first quarter lead means you're going to cruise. Uh, not the case on Saturday, though. No, it wasn't the case. I don't, I don't think our players or coaches really thought that was the case. We knew what we were going to get with Virginia, a very talented team that, that was ready to play. We, our guys were playing, you know, from a defensive standpoint, we were play, playing very hard to get those stops. There were some real highlights there in man-to-man -man coverage. We were pressuring the quarterback. We didn't get to him necessarily in the first quarter, but there was some pressure there that created the, the turnover and some of those incomplete passes. 
it wasn't just that, that just Virginia scored uh, in the second quarter. It was that they were all really quick strike scores, too. Five touchdowns, all under two minutes in duration of drive length. So you had to score touchdowns to keep pace. Uh, if you punt or you kick a field goal, you feel like you're losing ground. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it, that's a really a hindsight type of evaluation and, and not one that I would be making specifically during the game. Mm-hmm. Just focused on, on my roles, but absolutely, you've got to keep pace there. It became like a basketball game back and forth, possession after possession, so quickly the transitions from one side to the other. And the way Virginia plays basketball, by the way, 66-49 is a typical score. If you're playing Virginia basketball, well, it's kind of funny. You could see that being a basketball score in reality. Um, so after the second quarter onslaught, you kind of endure it. But you're down only four at the break. Um, what was kind of the reset maybe in the locker room? Because it was an excellent second half defensively compared to what you saw in the second quarter. Yeah, I mean, you know, things always start with, um, you know, how is the head coach feeling about what's going on? And, and Kalani, to his credit, was just, just very focused on execution. He didn't, he, we weren't trying to find new answers in, in how we're doing things or what we're doing. Uh, you know, Elisa's role is a little bit more, okay, what about what we're doing and, and can we do things a little bit differently? And I, I think at that time he, he realized, okay, if this game's going to continue like this where we're scoring so fast on offense, we're going to end up playing a lot of plays on defense. And the second quarter may not be an anomaly in terms of pace. We need to find a way to give our guys a break. And so that's where the, the drop eight defense and, and the thoughts to play more of that. We played one snap of that in the, in the first half and gave up 21 yards on that play. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a, of a, a leap of faith. And we've seen uh, Brennan Armstrong tear up some drop eight defenses, but our guys performed it really well. It wasn't our, our lights out defense. In fact, we went back to man coverage in the second half, only 1.9 yards per attempt by, by Virginia on those 10 plays. But it, the key was finding the good mix up, finding the good recipe for how much of each. And you certainly scored enough in the second half too, but then the ground game became more of the star in the second half offensively for you. It did, yeah, and I think our offense, uh, you know, as they always do, they're going to try to attack the, the most aggressive way they can attack, and, and what they saw available was the run game, but we were specifically talking on the headset, uh, you know, with, with A-Rod, like, you know, and, and, and he felt this way. It was his first inclination. Let's not try to protect the defense. Mm-hmm. That's not the way we play football. Let's score and stop the other team from scoring, and that's complementary football in, in, the, in that type of game. And the way Tyler runs it, that's part of an aggressive game plan, too, as good as he is at what he does. It, it is, yeah. It's really about, you know, our offensive uh, philosophy, our team philosophy is uh, do what we need to do to stay aggressive and score. The way you play complementary football is you take the ball away from the opponent and you don't give the ball up in, in turnovers. And, and that was, again, the winning formula for us. Indeed it was. Break time. When we come back, we'll finish our look back at BYU's Saturday night win over Virginia and get defensive and special teams players of the week in the next segment as well. As we head to break, this reminder that BYU football with Kalani Sitake airs every week Tuesdays at 8.30 Eastern, 6.30 Mountain on the BYU TV app. We have a live studio audience. The Seat request link is on my Twitter feed, and we'll see you here in the studio tomorrow night. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more right after this. The give to Wayne Talapapa middle, and not much there, but somehow Talapapa pops out of the pile. The ball comes loose, and the Cougars have it. Really on the field is a fumble recovered by the defense. First down, BYU. BYU. 
Coordinators Corner continues with BYU special teams, coordinators, safeties coach, and assistant head coach Ed Lamb. BYU now 7-2 and two on the season, prepping for the annual FCS game with Idaho State, coming to Provo for a Saturday matinee. Well, Saturday night's 66-49 win over Virginia set BYU records for most points against a P5 opponent, most combined points in stadium history, uh, eighth most points in a single game, six most yards. And BYU is this season the only team to record 700-plus yards against a P5 foe. Coach Lamb Kalani said in our postgame that it felt, uh, felt kind of like the football that uh, you and he uh, found yourselves playing at, at BYU back in the day. Yeah, the old BYU-San Diego State shootouts. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's not, not fun for a, a defensive coach, especially if you're – if you're thinking in terms of you know total yards and points and stuff like that, which is obviously we, we you know we're we aspire to be great in those areas, it it takes constant reminders. Okay, it's still a game. The ultimate objective is to win. Mm -hmm. What can we do to help the boys in this moment to win? Where we left off, BYU was down 42-38 at halftime. So an 80.800 yard first half. Third quarter uh, begins just as you'd hoped. Really, another opening drive touchdown. You retake a lead, 45-42. Chance to make it a 10-point game. Missed field goal. Uh, Jake's four for his last eight after making 16 straight. You're seeing some things operationally because you actually switched snappers after the missed field goal from, uh, from Britt to Austin Riggs, who normally handles for punt. What were you seeing, and why was that an important part of it? Yeah, Britt's, Britt's been uh, – got to give some, some uh, love to Britt. He has been part of Jake's success you know, over the past couple of years, uh, and, and he's been there uh, along the way. And, and the snappers don't get enough credit, and the holders don't get enough credit for that whole operation. But – you know, two of the recent misses that Jake has had have been significantly high snaps where just the complete timing gets thrown off. It's very difficult to finish a kick in that situation. And so, you know, uh, Britt uh, is, is like any other position player on our team. You know, we've got other guys um, that are ready to go, work hard to go. Britt's a great snapper. We appreciate what he does. He'll have every opportunity to continue to compete. But in that moment, we felt like the right move for the, the 123 guys on the team was to give the, the backup guy a chance to come in. And so Austin Riggs finished out the game for us. It'll be an ongoing competition this week. So this week in practice, they're back to seeing who snaps most effectively to get you back where you want to be. Uh, yeah, somewhat. I, I think, you know, obviously we want to weigh the game performance more than the practice performance. Mm -hmm. But uh, both of those guys, you know, do a great job of pushing each other all week. And then they know they're they're. <laughs> It, it, it sounds um, it sounds cutthroat, but this is this is big time college football, and every position player on our team is under the same uh, pressure. You must perform on game day, and there's a guy waiting there, literally waiting with their helmet strapped up for an opportunity. And so they understand that they're they're good about it. They're mature guys. They'll continue to compete and push each other and make each other better. And how's Jake swinging it the way you see it? Yeah, Jake's Jake's swinging it like he always has. He's got great leg strength, great balance on his follow through. Timing is, is everything, and, and the timing was off. Any swing sport guy from a baseball player to a, a golfer knows if timing's off, then it's not going to be an accurate, uh, an accurate result, and that's, that's really what's been going on. So Virginia took its last lead 49-45. Then you end the game the way you, you began the game, 21-0 run at the start and a 21-0 run at the end, and it was a five-touchdown night for Tyler Algier. An, an amazing night for Tyler, amazing night for so many guys on offense. Those, those numbers are video game numbers. And, uh, you know, we, we, Tyler has put us, the whole team on his back so many times, no exception in this game. You know, from a coaching standpoint, A-Rod did. We get, uh, at some point during the game, somebody comes in and puts crumble cookie boxes in each of the coaches' lockers, and, and uh, I gave mine to A-Rod. <laughs> uh, bigger picture on Tyler for a second. This is a, a guy that comes to BYU as a walk-on. He ultimately earned a scholarship, but he came without one. 
switch sides maybe a couple times, as it turned out, and then he becomes essentially an offensive superstar. Um, as much focus as goes into recruiting, and it's a big part of this thing, and signing day is a big deal, and you look for guys with stars and all that, then you have a Tyler Algier, and there's not the only guy that's done this at BYU. Uh, it's just a remarkable story, and I think instructive and, and illustrative and, and can give a lot of people hope in a lot of ways. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, it's, the stars are, are great when we can when we can achieve them. Obviously, it makes the coaching staff look good, makes the program look good. But the, the thing that we want to achieve more than anything else is players with uh, the best players that we can find that also have the highest upside. And Tyler was one of those guys regardless, as is a, a lot of our recruiting class. And, and one of the positions that we sometimes can struggle to, to recruit at, at BYU. You know, this state just doesn't produce uh, a myriad of, of you know, uh, defensive backs and running backs. And so we have to sometimes go and find guys with upside that we can develop. And it's a great picture. But there's other guys, too, that have just, you know, when we recruited Blake, Blake Freeland, he was, a, he was a quarterback, you know, when we offered him. And uh, had no intention of playing offensive line, much less of something like a tight end. And so to see guys... To see guys, you know, become something in college that that other, you know, coaching staffs maybe didn't see, mm -hmm. and have that kind of success has just been so fun to watch. And Tyler, you know, the, the attitude that he brings on a daily basis is an example to every everybody in our program, coaches and players. Great stuff. A uh, couple last notes on the game. You've been playing these eight and nine possession games recently. Um, Fifteen possessions here in in the Virginia game. The game was an outlier in that way, but one you felt you could compete in and win clearly. That's right. Yeah, it just took a different mindset by by everyone, and and that was uh, my my objective at halftime was really about the the mindset of our team, especially our defense. And you know, I, what I said to our defensive players was, you know, if the game was was three to nothing right now or seven to nothing, you, you wouldn't want our offensive guys over there panicking and, and and wondering about what their final stats look like. I said we are we are in a game. We have a chance to win a game. It's the same chance we have every week. Enjoy this moment. Let's get better. Zero giveaways for the sixth time in nine games this year. BYU's now won 18 consecutive games when you just don't turn the ball over. And you could argue they were the difference in this game, possessions on which Virginia didn't score. It so often is. Yeah, again, the, uh, the, it's, it's all about points per possession when you talk about whether or not you're playing good offense or defense. And uh, those possessions, when you can steal one with a takeaway, it's, it's just a huge factor in the game. And uh, to be so clean, I think of the last 21 games BYU's played, the last 19 games BYU's played, zero turnovers in 11 of them. That's, a, that, that, that's, that's higher than a normal average performance. Yeah, you credit buy-in. You credit that. that I mean, that's a, a lot of the games that we've won this year, you can look at the games, the box score, and say, gosh, if it's just a, this or that, we would have lost. And, and our, our losses have been the same. If it was just this or that, we, we would have won. And um, the fact that we're winning uh, tight games so often, it's a testament to the team putting the one other 122 guys on the roster ahead of themselves. It's, it's easier to get a few extra yards if you're careless with the football. Um, it's easier to you know, dive in and, and try to make a tackle of the legs rather than put your face on the football. There, there are so many things that, uh, from a technical standpoint, when you take the ball away and when you protect the football, it's an, it's, there are unselfish decisions being made. There are team decisions being made, and our team's done a, a, a really consistent job throughout the season. It's clearly more than just luck because a lot of people throw turnovers up to luck. Yeah, I think I think there's a factor of luck. You know, it's it's not an all or nothing thing. There sometimes is a factor of luck with some takeaways and some turnovers, but there are certainly uh, ball security habits. There are ball disruption habits. These are learned skills. They are skills that deteriorate, and and they're skills that, with a mindset, can be you know can come to the forefront or get left behind.
Okay, time for Coaches Players of the Week. Eli Satuiaki, defensive coordinator, gave us his Defensive Players of the Week. And let's see who Elisa picked this week. We're looking at Lopa Leatawa, Peyton Wilgar, and Drew Jensen. Yeah, I mean, those are the, the guys that really created the takeaways. Peyton was part of the hit. I think uh, Leatawa got the, got the fumble caused um, and, and deserved it. Uh, but the, that was a double hit between uh, Peyton and Uriah. And then Drew Jensen had the huge uh, interception uh, late in the game. And those, those three takeaways we felt like were critical to you know, our defense being able to manufacture some stops. And uh, we, we talked about this off the air, but uh, Uriah Leatawa was a Bronco Mendenhall signee back in 2014 and played against him on Saturday night. Yeah, that's, that's a long time for a, for a guy <laughs> to be around. And, and his, um, his leadership from week to week is something that, uh, you know, his veteranship and the things he's seen over the years, something that is a strength for our whole team. All right, let's take a look now at your special teams players of the week. We, uh, Max Tooley was the special teams player of the game. Max plays just a tremendously physical football game, offense, defense, or excuse me, defense, special teams, whatever he, whatever um, unit that he's out there on. And he brought that again this week, put some nice pressure on the punts. Chris Jackson, same thing, just all out effort all the time, did a great job. He did have the penalty and, and was ejected for targeting. He got this, this award, this recognition was more for his work on the kickoff return and the punt return blocking. And then, uh, and then Samson Nakua actually, you know, always does a great job as well with the energy, but uh, they got a couple, he got a pancake block for us that was a really big block in the game. And so we'll, we'll award the top rock to him. It wasn't much of a coverage game. Typically the top mm -hmm. rock goes to coverage, but we had a lot of touchbacks and only two punts. Okay, there it is. Special teams and defensive players of the week. Couple of other special teams notes. Ryan Rico uh, would be tied nationally for fourth in punt average. But as was the case last year, it's the case right now. Not enough punts for Ryan right now to qualify. Yeah, a, a that's problem. okay. Yeah, a problem that we're okay with. Yeah, and then Hobbs Nyberg remains top 25 in punt returns for you. He's really done a tremendous job. And, you know, he started off the season not, not terribly hot in the punt return department. And our, our punt return team has worked harder to create more opportunities for him. And uh, he's just done a really nice job of making, making a guy or two miss and get, making, in some cases, making something out of very little. Everybody's really glad to have him back there the way that he works. Very sure-handed as well. All right, it is break time once again. As we go to break, a reminder that the dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody. From burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now in Harriman. This weekend, BYU plays host to Idaho State. Tune in to Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. 11.30 a.m. in the mountains, and two hours later, it is kickoff on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Coming up, we'll look at the week ahead and check in on social media for Coach Ed Lamb. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. High snap, Hall, handoff, Algier. Algier's got the first down and more. Takes him out of the far boundary. The 40, the 35, stays on his feet, 35, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! It was spectacular. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. Visiting with BYU Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb. BYU coming off a 66-49 home win over Virginia Saturday night. Most points BYU scored against an FBS opponent since defeating Tulane 70-35 at home uh, 20 years ago. And again, off-the-air conversation, uh, but we just uh, you were on this staff, not as a full-time coach back in 2001, but as a GA. Yeah, A-Rod and I were, were graduate assistants in 2001, Gary, Gary's first year, set up, I think, for both of us, obviously, by, uh, by Coach Edwards, and then, and then he left, and Gary was kind enough to, 
you know, keep us around. That was, by the way, 66 on Saturday, the most ever scored against a Bronco Mendenhall coach team. All right, it was a staff reunion in a lot of ways. Uh, both coaches, coaching staffs, new coaches from the other side. Looking back on, on how Bronco was welcomed in and how the whole night went that way. Yeah, that's a you know, our, that, that's those are BYU fans, right? Classy fans, and, and nationwide are known for that way, appreciating good football. And, and Bronco Mendenhall has given a lot of reasons for BYU fans to be excited and cheer over the years. So he, he got the, in my opinion, the recognition that he deserved and the warm welcome that he deserved. And we've got close ties with many of the, of the staffers in both ways. Before we take a look at Idaho State, social media question coming in from at SpiderCoog who asks, how does BYU stay focused in getting better when playing against lower tier teams when you drop down to, say, FCS? I think, I think inherently, you know, I, I choose to believe that um, all, all players, they always want to play their best. And, I, and so I think as a coach, we, we have to find um, ways to, to bring that uh, inherent motivation out in the players. And, and a big part of that is just we have a routine that goes from week to week in the way that we coach. And we need to main that, maintain that routine. Here is the opponent. Here are their strengths. Here are their weaknesses. We attack their weaknesses. We defend their strengths. And uh, I think if we're consistent in our approach, we expect the same thing out of the players. Okay. Idaho State played a local team, played Weber State on the weekend, took their seventh loss in eight games. A word or two about uh, the Bengals, who are a frequent FCS opponent for BYU. They are, yeah. It's nice, a nice regional, um, yeah, I guess you, you could call it rivalry. I mean, for us that are, maybe the fans don't, but for us that are playing the game, that's, those are good football players. They've earned scholarships, too. They're some of the best high school players in the West that gather up at these schools all around the West. And um, it's, a, it's a challenge each and every week and an opportunity to play the game that we love. And not that you, you know, go in thinking this way. It's certainly not the mindset, but uh, this has been uh, a very tough and physically punishing seven-game, nine-game grind to this point. Um, if you can get some guys some rest, knowing there's a bye week on the other side of it, is that something you want to consider, at least in how you deploy personnel at a certain point in the game on, on Saturday? Yeah, I think, um, it, you know, that is actually a plan that is discussed by the coaching staff and with several players that maybe haven't gotten their shot. We, we discuss that every week. And, you know, whether we're playing the top-rated opponent on our schedule according to the, you know, the national pundits or, or, or not, it's, it's a conversation we always have. I have a group, specifically when you run kickoff, that tends to be a time when young guys can get in. It's a pretty straightforward assignment and not a lot to it other than heart and, and exec some execution of a simple assignment. And so I have a group of guys that I talk with every week. Hey, if we get an opportunity, I want you to be ready. I would love to get you in there and see you run down on a kickoff. It doesn't matter the opponent. We're always looking for those opportunities. All right, Ed, thank you for the perspective. Great to have you in this week, and we'll do it again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. All right, that is Coach Ed Lamb. Get pregame coverage of BYU Saturday Showdown with Idaho State on BYU TV's Countdown to Kickoff. That is going to be this Saturday, and it will be at 2 Eastern, noon Mountain Time. The game on BYU TV at 3.30 Eastern, 1.30 in the mountains. Coming up next, we'll chat with BYU's offensive coordinator and QB coach, Aaron Roderick. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more right after this. You are in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU now ranks 17th and 20th after Saturday night's wild win over Virginia. 66-49, your final score. BYU will next host Idaho State this Saturday, followed by a bye week before the two-game stretch run at Georgia Southern and USC. Then comes the postseason. And if BYU keeps on winning, well, you never quite know how that will shake out. We shall see. We start the second half hour of the show now with BYU's offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. 
Coach Aaron, good to see you again. Good to be here. Congrats on the big win. Thanks. Yeah, it was fun. Fun night. That was old, in a lot of ways, old style BYU football. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a strange season. We haven't had a, we haven't been in a shootout yet, you know. And and one thing we've been talking about all year is that we feel like we can win any style of ball game. And we've we've been in some games where, you know, uh, possessions were limited, using you know the other teams using the clock or. We've been in a position where we needed to use clock and run the ball, and you know we finally got in an old-fashioned shootout, and, and we've, we've felt all along like we've been able to step up if that was the situation, and we were. Okay, first things first, Bronco back, Robert and I back, a bunch yeah. of other guys back. You and Kalani had coached against their BYU teams before. What's the value of history and familiarity that way? Um, you know, I, I don't know if, if it really was a big factor in this game. Um, what they're doing on defense is quite a bit different than what they did when they were here. There's some similarities, but n not a ton. There might have been uh, some things for the, for the defense against Robert's offense, but um, defensively I thought it was more just, you know, we just matched up well with them. Okay, BYU was averaging 26 points a game coming in. You score 66. Uh, but I sense, as you kind of just alluded to, it's something you felt was in this team if you got a team that wanted to play the way Virginia plays. Yeah, I don't concern myself much with statistics. I, I, it's about getting the win. And that we, you know, we were just as happy winning 21-19 as we were winning this week. It was fun to score, and we, we felt all along. I don't, I don't feel like our point totals this year were reflective of how well we've been playing on offense. Uh, we've been taking great care of the ball. We've been explosive. We've been able to throw it or run it when we need to. And uh, just so happened that we were up against an offense that scores a lot of points. And so we went into this game with a shootout mentality, knowing that we were going to have to outscore them. Let's start with quarterback in this one, your quarterback. Since coming back against Boise State, week by week, uh, Jaron looks more and more like himself, playing really well. I was breaking down his pass efficiency numbers for the last three games. And those are three P5 teams, right? Baylor, Washington State, and Virginia. He's above 160 in pass efficiency. He's playing really well for you. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it's it's almost going unnoticed how how well he's playing. Uh, first of all, with five wins over P5 opponents, that's never been done here, right. and he's been the quarterback for all those wins and um, just playing extremely well. His decision making is as good as I've ever seen a quarterback. Uh, he, he he doesn't make mistakes and um, he takes great care of the football, and um, his deep ball throws are just so on the money. I mean, I've gotten some comments about uh, the balls being underthrown and I want people to know we're doing that on purpose. <laughs> we, we throw, the worst thing you can do on a deep ball is overthrow it. You know, I, I watched pro football yesterday and I saw so many deep balls land out of bounds and Jaron has a knack for putting the ball where our guys can come back to it and get it and where the defenders can't see it. And so the last thing we want to do is overthrow our deep balls. And so we, he's got a great feel for where to, how to underthrow those, how to back shoulder them, where to put them. It's as good as I've ever seen. And, and we hope that week by week he feels better too. Is that the case? Yeah, I think you saw it in this game. I mean, the first touchdown, he, he, pulled, he pulled the ball and he put his pads down and ran over a guy yeah. at the goal line and got his body across the goal line. That was a, that was a running back mentality to get the ball in the end zone. And, and you're seeing, you know, he, he feels great. He's playing good ball. It will be nice once you get through this weekend to have a week to get a bunch of guys, including him, rest for the stretch run. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long stretch without a break. I think you're seeing, uh, like, our defense is really thin right now and, and proud of those guys for stepping up in the second half uh, of that game. Um, 
you know, you're seeing some names out there on the field that, that you know, I, I saw a couple of cases. I, I, don't, I don't see a lot of the defense, but there's been a couple of cases lately where scout team players are actually in the game. Guys that are playing against us in the week on scout team, I, I'm, they're out there playing. And uh, so it'll be nice to get a week. You know, we got to get through this week and, and do our best to get a win this week, and then we'll get some rest. Guys that literally saw the walk-on tryout flyer are starting games right now. It, yeah, there, yeah. there have been some people in the game that uh, I never would have thought would have been out there, but, hey, they, you know, we're getting it done. And the story of that game was three turnovers by them, zero by us. Right. And, and uh, you know, if, 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 if the turnover margin is like that, you're almost always going to win regardless of if, whether, whether the game's in the 20s or the teens or 60s. You know, it's, it's just how it is. If you, if you have no turnovers and the other team has three, you're going to win. Especially the way they're scoring it. Pretty much if they're not turning it over, they were going to score a touchdown. It kind of yeah. felt that way for a certain yeah, point. The, yeah. the turnovers were definitely the yeah. story. Uh, no Gunnar Romney in this one going in. There was a yeah. chance he might get in. A decision was made to let him rest and maybe even rest till, till Georgia Southern. Who knows if you've got some time. Uh, what's his status going to be for the short term, do you think? Yeah, he, was, he warmed up. Uh, Tried to go, wanted to go, probably could have gone. Um, but, you know, I wasn't directly involved in the decision. But I think, I think um, ultimately it was just we, we got to do what's best for his health. And, and um, so we'll see when we can get him back. But he did try to go. I, huge credit. He's a tough kid. I mean, that's twice this year where he's been, you know, injured, injured in a way that looked like he might be out for a long time. And in both cases, he was back the next game trying to play. So did you suspect without Gunner, it could be a, a, a big night for both Nakua's because Samson would get some, yeah. some, more, some, more, some more snaps? Samson was going to be a big part of the game plan with or without Gunner just because he's, he's healthy now and he's practicing enough. Um, you know, early in the year, he wasn't involved a lot, be, just mostly because of practice reps. And now he's practicing every day and he knows the offense well enough that we can trust him in all situations. And uh, he's got a great knack for finding the deep ball. I mean, he, he adjusts to the deep ball as well as, as, well as, uh, as, well as anybody I've ever coached, and, and his brother is pretty good at it too. BYU, one of the best deep ball teams in the country right now, and I broke this down this morning, kind of found it out by, by, by mistake, but you've got four guys, each with at least one 50-yard catch. That's, that's yeah. not normal. <laughs> yeah, and it's part of our offense. It's, it's a, we make a point of taking shots. And, um, you know, we have a good run game. And, you know, you miss – we talk about the, the, the cliche that you miss every shot you don't take. I mean, you got to take them. You, you just have to. And so we want to run the ball, establish our, a physical presence, and then take those shots down the field. And, and it paid off in this game. Getting a bit into the game, you couldn't have drawn up a better start. Uh, a defensive three and out, then a deep shot first play, quick touchdown. Takeaway, short field touchdown, another defensive three and out, quick strike TD, 21 nothing. Yeah, and we, I, didn't, I didn't know we'd start that fast, but the, those shot plays early in the game were by design, especially the first play. Our players knew a couple days ahead that that was going to be the first play of the game, and, and uh, we got everybody ramped up to, to land that shot. And uh, great job with our, by our defense getting that turnover, that short field, going up 14 nothing was, was fun. And then uh, this was a one of our tempo plays where we snapped the ball before they were really ready and just take a shot. Yeah, more, more on the, uh, the the Puka touchdown play here. Yeah, he's He, like Samson, both do a real good job finding the ball. Yeah, and Jaron, the, the accuracy of that throw, we, we pointed this out this morning in our meetings, we, we paint a blue line on our practice field. It's, the blue line is halfway between the numbers and the sideline, and this ball lands right on the blue line, mm. which is, you know, we talk about those blue line shots, and. He hit it. He put it exactly on the blue line, and uh, uh, 
Puka catches it over his outside shoulder away from the defender, just like we practice every single day. That was gratifying play as a coach to see the players do it like we practice every day. I might start using blue line in my touchdown calls yeah. and have it comes like that way. That, that, that's yeah, a blue line touchdown. You see our practice field, there's a blue line painted exactly halfway between the numbers and the, and the sideline. And we, we practice landing those deep balls on the blue line every day. Okay, I'll be watching for blue line yep. catches, as it were. Um, this is a Virginia team, Aaron, that uh, had won a game trailing by 17 late. Yeah. So leading 21 early is good, but it's Virginia. Yeah, and we, were, we talked about it all week, that no lead is safe and we're going to have to keep the pedal down for four quarters. And, uh, you know, and even when they made their comeback and, and got ahead of us, we, there was no panic. A lot of poise, I thought, by everybody involved and just knew we had to just keep scoring and we'd find a way in the end. They did take a 35-31 lead, and then you got it back on that great pass to Samson Nakua. It ends up both Nakua brothers, 100-plus yards and a touchdown catch in the same game. And I don't know how I'm going to find this out, but brothers playing at the FBS level, each with 100 yards in the same game and a touchdown? Come on. Yeah, that can't have happened very often huh? in, in the history of the game. <laughs> and, uh, and the pass itself uh, to Samson. Yeah, another, another, you know, another just perfect throw. Blue, blue, line, line. blue line throw <laughs> on the outside and underthrowing the ball a little bit where the defender can't find it. And so he's looking over the top and then we underthrow it just a little bit. And uh, so again, fans, this is on purpose. I keep hearing about the underthrown deep balls. We're doing this on purpose. That is a, you can't throw it any better than that. Keanu has a similar back shoulder look in the second half. Yeah. A similar play, right? Yeah. I mean, similar exactly. style. And that yeah. one, Jaron put less trajectory on the throw, but it, that was also underthrown on purpose. Okay, first half, uh, kind of ridiculous. 80 points, more than 800 combined yards. Yeah. You had as many possessions in the first half against Virginia as you had the entire game at Washington State. Yeah, and that's what I mentioned at the start of the show is uh, Washington State, you know, they were run-and-shoot offense, but they were huddling and using most of the play clock every play on offense. And so uh, it's, we've just been in some weird games this year. Yeah. The possessions have been limited, and, and so it was fun to get a chance to run some plays. That's why you say the points number weren't maybe indicative of how you were playing. A lot of it was a matter of limitation. Yeah, I've been, for the most part, pleased this season with our point production based on how many possessions or how many plays we get. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're finding ways to win. So it doesn't, to me, you know, the stats are overrated. It's about winning, scoring more points than the other team. And, and that's, we're taking better care of the ball than most of our opponents. And our defense is finding ways to take it away. And so at the end of the day, yards and all that stuff don't really matter a whole lot as long as you get the win. All right, it is time for a break. When we come back, we'll head to the second half against Virginia, and we'll get Coach Roderick's Offensive Players of the Week. When the Coordinator's Corner continues, we're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more from Coach Roderick after this short break. Hall goes deep down the left side for Samson Nakua. Makes the catch at the pylon. Touchdown! A 40-yard touchdown strike for Samson Nakua! We are back on the Coordinator's Corner with BYU Offensive Coordinator and QB Coach Aaron Roderick. BYU Saturday night home winner over a Virginia team that had won four in a row. And Coach Roderick, the week before, you defeated a Washington State team that had won three in a row. Yeah. These are a couple of nice wins to get you back in a good place after your Boise and Baylor losses. Yeah, and Washington State went to Arizona State. and Won got, that one handily. Got, and they got five takeaways in that game, uh, which is something they've been doing great all year. And Not against you, though. Right, looking back on that game now, the fact that we didn't give them any, any turnovers, uh, you know, just really pleased with our, the way we're taking care of the football. Yeah, that's how Washington State basically won the game. That's down how, there that's how they've been winning away. all year is their, their defense gives up some yards, but they get takeaways every week. 
and that's how they've been winning. And, and they did it again to ASU, but we were able to keep it away from them. Uh, common thread in uh, your only two losses was not winning the turnover battle in either game. Yeah. Last two games, though, the two wins, zero giveaways. Yeah. Of the last 19 games, BYU's not turned it over 11 times. Not coincidentally, BYU's 11-0 in those games. Yeah, turnover margin is still the, the most important st statistic in football. Next to points. Uh, yeah, other than the score. You know, I mean, it's, it's still a turnover game. And uh, all, the, all the yards and all the other stats, you know, can be important. But at the end of the day, if you, if you have more possessions than the other team, you're usually going to find a way to win. Third quarter Saturday, you're down four to open the half, but you get the ball to start the half. You open the half like you opened the game, touchdown drive. Tyler Algier, 50 yards on the drive. 49 came on one play, the one that gets you in the end zone. Yeah, and we, we made a point at halftime of uh, wanting to run the ball a little more in the second half. We felt like, uh, you know, we felt like, A, that we could run it, and secondly, that running the ball might help our defense a little bit. We thought if we got the run game going a little, we could give our defense some rest, you know, kind of demoralize them a little bit just by imposing our will physically. And, and uh, we, we, you know, I, I felt like we did that effectively. And at one point in, in the game, uh, Tyler's literally like dragging a guy down the yeah. field. <laughs> yeah. He's so strong, he's so fast, and I'm sure he just wears teams down when you can really start riding him like he did Saturday in the seven half. Yeah, the most impressive thing to me about Tyler is how he gets stronger as the game goes on. Yeah. So you, you feel the other team wearing down, and it feels like he's just building up his momentum to just punish you in the fourth quarter. And uh, it's a really special quality that he, that he has. So that Tyler Algier touchdown run we see here gives you the lead back. Missed a chance to go up 10 on a missed field goal. Uh, UVA retakes the lead late in the third. So you were trailing going into the fourth, but yeah. you were knocking on the door. And then you began the fourth quarter with uh, the Neil Pau touchdown. And that started your 21-0 run to end the game. Yeah, and that was a really well-executed play. They, they, I know that it was close to being an offensive pass interference, but uh, Sampson did this perfectly. He just posted up, and the two defenders ran into each other. He didn't actually touch either one of the defenders. Uh, it, was, it was exactly like you coach it, and a perfect throw on the move there to Neil. I was really pleased because we've repped this play so many times, and, and uh, we executed it just like we do in practice. And, that was, that was a great play. Yeah, I saw a still photo of the touchdown, and I can see Bronco in the background pointing for what he thought would hope to be called as a yeah. pick there. But Yeah, in, in full speed, it looks like it could, but uh, if you look at it, the replay, yeah. all Samson did was post up. We, we tell him post up big in the paint like you, like you would in basketball, mm -hmm. and the two defenders collide into each other. That's, that's legal. Absolutely. Yep. And we can see it again here. Maybe talk us through this a bit. Yeah, so Samson's just going to go in there, and he's not going to touch the defender. He's just going to post up like you would in basketball, and the, those two guys collide. And that's the idea. If, if, if you engage and block the defender, that would be a pick. But all he's doing is running his route and posting up for the ball. So after that touchdown, the next Virginia touch was a fumble recovered by BYU. Two plays later, Tyler has you back in the end zone. Fourth TD of the night. That was kind of a game-turning sequence at that point. A 10-point lead felt significant right there. It did, and the turnover was huge. Just the momentum change. The sort of gut punch to the other team that you can just feel them def deflate a little bit when that happens. And uh, we thought it was important right there to run the ball in. Like, we got the turnover. Okay, now let's impose our will a little bit here. Eat some clock, run the football. And um, it, the turnover was, I can't say enough how big it was. Going into that fourth quarter down, we just felt like we keep scoring. And if our defense just gets, gets us the ball one extra time, whether it's a turnover, <coughs> excuse me, turnover or or just get a stop, we can pull away. And, and the turnover was yeah. 
Great. And then one more, a pick uh, uh, that Virginia throws on its next possession, all but seals the deal. Uh, Tyler Hammers at home with his fifth touchdown, BYU record tying fifth touchdown. So a huge night for Tyler. But I wanted to go back to uh, somebody we talked about to start off our segment. That was Jaron Hall. Uh, again, it gets kind of overlooked the way numbers are racking up for Tyler right now. But this is 300-plus yards in, in three of his last four games. And 300 yards is not a be-all and end-all of any kind. But um, he's the kind of quarterback who can give you those kind of games when they're needed is what he's showing. Yeah, he's throwing the ball uh, very accurately down the field. We're, we're, um, uh, you know, and he's such a threat to run the ball every play, too. A big part of the game tonight that maybe goes unnoticed is a lot of our, run, our shotgun run plays, there's one or two defenders sitting on the backside of the play waiting for him to pull the ball. And so we're handing it off, and they're just wasting defenders because of the, the threat of Jaron running. Takes him out of the play. It takes him out of the play. He's, he's effectively blocking one or two guys. By not doing anything. Just by riding the ball and handing it to Tyler. And, yeah. and uh, you know, some, a lot of those plays that are creasing for huge gains, there could have been another player in the box to stop the run, but they have to honor the fact that Jaron can go 60, 70 yards on any team, you know, anybody we play. They honor his threat, and, and his runs are looking more natural right now. And again, like you that, said, he's that, lowering pads. That and, goal line run that they just showed right there, that was yeah. one of them where he really lowered his pads and got across the goal line. All right, let's get to uh, offensive players of the week. And this may be the most players of the week you've ever given us. Yeah. <laughs> it was too hard to settle on one. We felt like we just played so well as an offense that we just named the whole offensive unit this week. And, and um, our offensive line... Uh, is the highest that they've all graded out all season and, and every single guy had his best game of the year mm. uh, and wa really want to mention Joe Tukuafu played the best game he's played uh, you know you could you could say you could say uh, um, Clark Barrington every week I mean he plays at a really high level every week you could say James Empey every week and James wasn't able to play so Connor Pay came in and played his best game and then um, uh, Blake Freeland's played great all year and had another good game, and then Campbell Barrington is really turning into a really quality player for us. Um, can't say enough about how, you know, how much he improves every week. And hopefully Harris gets back in the mix uh, sooner than later. And shout out, yeah. uh, you're talking about an honors candidate in James Empey, uh, one of the best centers in the country not being able to play, and Connor steps in and starts at center and does a great job for you. Yeah, Connor really stepped up, and we're going to miss James. I mean, James is uh, such a good player. He's a coach on the field, and um, really appreciate everything he's done. And everything he did last week, he's still out there every day coaching the guys and, and was coaching them in the game, and he has a great presence. All right, time again for a break. For our final segment, we're coming up. As we step away, we remind you that for your daily Cougar sports play-by-play, -play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern time, BYU TV and BYU Radio. Coming up in our final segment of this week's show, we'll look ahead to BYU's final home game of the season. And we'll check in with social media for Coach Roderick on the Coordinator's Corner back after this. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you in part by JCW's, The Burger Boys, BYU Food To Go, the MVP of your next event, and by Siegfried & Jensen, serving Utah families for over 30 years. BYU coming into the week off a 66-49 home win over Virginia. BYU's fifth P5 win of the season. FCS week, Idaho State on Saturday. Social media question for Coach Roderick. Uh, Coach, what did you see from Virginia that made you implement hurry up, no huddle to start the game on Saturday? Uh, we just wanted to start fast, and we thought, we thought the game might be a shootout type of game, and so we thought that 
change in tempos could could help us get off to a fast start and also give them some trouble getting lined up. They they play a lot of different coverages, a lot of different looks, and we wanted to give them, uh, you know, make it hard for them to get lined up. Okay, thank you to Taylor Jowsey for that uh, question from social media. All right, Idaho State Week, FCS Week. What's your and the team's approach when you have a game like this on the schedule? Um, just like any other opponent, I think uh, we've been talking all year about respecting the game, and I think the 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 best way to show respect for any opponent is to give them your best. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to prepare the same way we would for any other team and be ready to play on Saturday. I love, that will end your 10-week grind, 10-game grind to yeah. start the year. Yeah, and, and that's another reason why to sell out. Like, give it everything we got one more week, and then we get a rest. All right. Thank you, H uh, Coach Roderick. Good to have you in. We'll see, we'll see it again in a few weeks. Thanks for having me. All right. That is Aaron Roderick. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Coordinator's Corner. We're back with you uh, next Monday, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. For Coaches Lamb and Roderick, I'm Greg Rubel. We'll see you next week on the Coordinator's Corner.